Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast. A Night Shift Radio original. Every week we bring you the good, the bad, the weird, and lesser known streaming movies. Hit subscribe for new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. I was doing a little like one-footed dance while you were counting down. It was very like Baby Groot in Gardens of the Galaxy 2 dance. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I can feeling. see it in, in my head. It was more like, this is how we do it. But like, you're right. It was definitely more Baby Groot. <laughs> I mean, he would dance to that song too. Yeah, he would. Oh my god, that would be adorable. Just like a little baby tree plant person doing this is how we do it. Friday (laughs) night. Something about Friday night. Except it's uh, it's Sunday afternoon. It's Sunday afternoon. Yeah, it's Friday night and the feelings, right? Something like that. I you know what? Like I remember listening to that song a gazillion times when I was a kid, you know, like because that was very popular in in like what eighties, nineties. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing it on the radio all the time, you know, like it was in like commercials, it was in movies, you know, for a while, like, and I remember that, but the minute it was on Pitch Perfect, it only became a Pitch Perfect song. That happens though, like every song from from Pitch Perfect, and some of them for the better, because uh, let's be honest, uh, the Bellas are a much better association for the song, The Sign, than the... uh, Potentially Nazi adjacent Ace of Base, uh, which that was a fact that ruined that. my childhood. <laughs> I did uh, not know that fact. That's a very interesting fact. But yeah, you know, I I, I got to say, like bringing it back full circle, though, like as many times as I've heard that song, I still don't know exactly how we do it. I just know that I'm being told this is how, and I'm like, you got to be more descriptive than that you for me, buddy. You got you got to give me specific instructions. That's like um, the Monster Mash, you know, like. <laughs> They say like, oh, everybody did the Monster Mash, but I'm not going to tell you what the Monster Mash is, but Mm -hmm. just know that everybody is doing it but you. All all these, like, all these fuckers are doing it and you, you're not doing it because you're boring and you're stupid and we hate you. And we hate you, please die. We hate you, please Uh, die. (laughs) Which is a subtle reference to this movie, uh, to a thing I'm going to, I talked about on this past Thursday. Uh Um, Uh But, uh, uh. Yeah, so it's like that, you know, but also in that in that song, which Dracula adjacent, we just came out of our Dracula month, mm-hmm. they talk about, you know, Dracula comes in, he's like, whatever happened to my Transylvania twist? Oh. Well, bitch, they ain't doing that shit anymore. The, it's now the mash. They're doing the mash. Uh, and not just the mash, they also do the monster mash. Yes, it's a very specific type of mash, yeah.
Which yeah, like you know, I wonder like is it supposed to be like the mashed potato, which I think is this dance right. that our, our listeners like, definitely can't ah. see because <laughs> again, podcasts are an audible medium. Google um, the mash and then just imagine it as a monster. I think that's it. I think I think you're right though, because I think you it just is just like, like the monster claws. The, because the, I feel the, like the I remember them hands. basically doing that in the music video, which is another journey in and of itself. Yeah, which is crazy because like music videos weren't really a thing when that song came out. So there's definitely was one made much later. <laughs> music videos didn't really become a thing until like the 80s. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, 81, the invention of MTV, MTV. that I, was I want my MTV. Yeah. I want my I want my old MTV back. You know, so okay. Okay. I I I have to I have to get this out of, out of my head. You know how we're we're constantly talking about we as a society, not necessarily you and me, although it, it does come up. Royal we. The royal we is constantly talking about how most corporations now are just inventing problems so that they have something to solve and therefore sell. Yes, sure. that's uh, whether or not that is considered to be established fact of society, it is something that I think most of us recognize at this point. That like most of the the companies that exist aren't actually solving any real problems. Uh, which is to say, if music videos weren't a thing before MTV and like now fast forward, you know, 30, 40 years, whatever. And people are like, man, remember when MTV was music, like MTV invented a problem that didn't exist, solved it and then fucked it up. It, they became the best at doing it too. Like, like there was a good fifteen year span where MTV was the like the best music channel. Like VH1 existed, but everyone was like, "That's for old people," you know. Like mm-hmm, that was the one mm-hmm. nobody cared about. That was that uh, was like MTV, the top forty pop, whereas MTV was like giving us the cutting edge of like all genres: hip hop, rock, underground. Like, right, was, like we're even still considered the MTV generation yeah. because we grew up at the same time as MTV did. You yeah. know, like we grew up on MTV, uh, you know, generally speaking. Um, and, but yeah, and then it just fucked off, and and now like music videos still exist, but now it's all YouTube. I was say it's it's hilarious because YouTube has proven that like this is still a thing that people want. So MTV yeah. basically introduced the world to something they didn't know they wanted, gave it to us like and like the peak of its form and then said, you know what we need? Some motherfuckers from New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I, there, I mean, there must be some sort of statistics behind it where maybe like people stopped watching music videos as much or something. And they're like, we've got to pivot. I mean, like yeah. my assumption is my hope is, is that they pivoted to reality TV and stuff like that because viewership of music videos went down or the supply, you know, uh, didn't meet up to the demand. Like, I want to think it's some sort of logistical problem and not just some asshole, you know, in the office being like, you know what we should do. And everyone being like, yeah, good job. Good job. Good job. So here's the thing is like, I, I don't think that you're wrong. I never am. But I think that they still got there by shooting themselves in the foot, by doing like the, the bullshit, like TRL and stuff like that, where it became like a live, like interactive talk show where the music was secondary and they weren't even showing the whole videos. And then it just became this thing where there was just basically like a top 10 videos that were constantly playing over and over again, sudden like frequently not even in their complete form. And I think people got sick of that because it wasn't what MTV was, was, you know, 
promised to be. It wasn't just all music all the time. There was frequent interruptions and frequent bastardization of the art. And then people were like, ah, this is boring. I don't want this. And then MTV was like, oh, people don't want music videos anymore. Let's get these motherfuckers from New Jersey. I don't know. Was Jersey Shore on MTV? I'm just, I keep using them as an example. Uh, Jersey Shore, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, Jersey Shore was uh, um, uh, MTV. That was their big, yeah. I mean, you know, well, there was the, the real world, world road rules. Yeah. Like there was all and of then that. It was, yep. Uh, do you remember the show 120 Minutes? I do. The MTV where it showed only like alt rock and mm. stuff like that, mm-hmm, and, like mm-hmm. some metal and stuff. Man, mm-hmm. that was a dope ass show. Yeah. That was a really good show. I used to like record because it, it happened really late at night, yeah. and I used to record it like on my VHS <laughs> way back <laughs> on my VHS player. Uh, yeah, I used to record that show and then watch it during the day so I can like see all the cool music videos of like all the rap, you know, the rock and metal bands because yeah. that's what I wanted to see on MTV. You know, like I didn't want to see the Mariah Carey's you know, or the, the sync or anything like that. Like I wanted to see all the cool rock videos. Right. Um, and like most cool things of the era, I only had access to this stuff when I was at my mother's house because at my house, we didn't have cable and we were very restricted in what we could listen to, et cetera, et cetera. And my mom was like, no rules. Woo. Um, (laughs) cause she was basically a child herself. Uh, and so that was awesome. I would get these like you know, a couple months, a couple weeks at a time, depending on when I was out and for how long, uh, where I would be just like immersed in like all the cool pop culture shit. And I would go back and like, yes, fellow kids, I too know about <laughs> the the Alice in Chains. <laughs> so what what's up with her chains, right guys? <laughs> right, fellas? I, I also <laughs> prefer to slam in the back of a Dragula. <laughs> do you know what I also like to do while I'm slamming in the back of a Dragula? I don't. I like to enjoy organic soda. Oh. And that being said, hello and welcome to the Never Heard of Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight. And I am an alien inhabiting the corpse of Sabrina Buckets. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, we just wrapped up our, our five-year anniversary month-long celebration where we, you know, paid homage to our first episode, Billy the Kid vs. Dracula, and mm-hmm. we did all Dracula-adjacent movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we just ended last week's episode with I Had a Bloody Good Time at House Harker. And but now we're we're kicking off April. Last year we played a little switcheroo on you guys and did mockbusters uh, and labeled them as blockbusters. Uh, but this year we're playing it straight, and we're just going to do some cool indie films we think uh, we think you guys might like. And while we realize that you have no reason to believe us, we are telling you right here and now. We promise you, we are not making April Fool's jokes this year. We are not. Yes, these, these are a hundred percent genuine. Uh, representations of the movies that we selected and watched and are going to be talking about. Uh, Correct. So, you know, proceed with caution. Yes. And and it's also April 2nd, so the mood is really passed. Oh, happyaprilsecond.com. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so today's movie is called I'm Totally Fine. Uh, so this movie came out in uh, 2022. Uh, it's currently streaming on Hulu in America as of time of recording this episode. Uh, and this is this is a, a, a one, a really cool concept, um, but two, stars some pretty good people. So first off, the IMDb description of this movie is... Vanessa, a woman in mourning, takes a solo trip to clear her head after the death of her friend, but her self-care vacation plans change when she's met with an out-of-this-world situation. So, yes, but the self-care trip is not true. 
it wasn't originally planned as a solo trip. It was planned as a party with her best friend who has passed. It was supposed to be a big party. There was like party planners and DJ and the whole deal. True. Uh, it is It is played for, however, that, that she made the decision to still take the trip uh, as something for herself as like, you know, get away from from everything, recenter, try to, to heal without all of the the bullshit of life. So like, this is both a like spot on, completely accurate synopsis, um, and also leaves out some of the the point. But like, that's the you know that's the kind of stuff that we get filled in on pretty quickly because uh, we see Vanessa, or uh, as she is uh, captioned in the first like twenty minutes of the film, woman with bobbed hair, uh, <laughs> like. She and, and and Jennifer are are captioned as woman with bobbed hair and woman with dyed hair or pink hair or whatever uh, until well after we actually learn both of their names and I, I found that interesting and I I feel like like that's got to be like pulled from the script or something like that where maybe before names are given they're originally introduced that way is that is that how captions work uh, I mean yeah most of the time they're just transcribed from the script yeah. it's just they just feed the script in and then adjust things here and there. Um, but yeah, uh, but you know what else is, was interesting and kind of annoyed me though, is that, uh, during the drive, she pulls over because she starts crying. Uh -huh. Um, and we, at this point, we don't know why she's crying yet. So she pulls over, she starts crying yeah. and she gets a, a, a video from her boyfriend and on the, on the video, the guy is holding a bass guitar mm -hmm. and says, look, I learned to slap the bass, but the, uh, caption entitles it man with guitar. And I was Son like, of a bitch. you fucked that shit right off. You're so fucking wrong. I want to just. He even says I'm playing the bass. Yeah. Like very specifically in the scene. Oh. And it's like man with guitar. So I'm, that was like. I'm glad I didn't, nope. I didn't catch that. Cause I would have just shut the movie off right then and there. <laughs> like we're done. It's, this, it's this can't be it. bad enough that I had to deal with Blake Anderson making a slap the bass joke because can we fucking not like, I right. love Paul Rudd, but that was probably his least funny moment in his entire career. And yet people have latched onto it. They um, sure have. Anyway. Um, so we do learn, in, in fact, it, through that series of exchanges where like he, call, uh, like he leaves her that video message, then he later leaves her a voice message and he's texting her and he's calling her, leaves a voicemail. All of these things where, like, you, you almost get the sense of, like, maybe she's intentionally left him where, like, maybe things aren't going well for him. Then you realize, like, no, he's just trying to be there for her. He's being a little obnoxious about it, but he's just trying to be there for her. And it is actually kind of sweet. But that's kind of how we piece together where he's like, you know, I think it's good for you that you're taking this trip by yourself. Like, it, you know, you, you could use the time alone. And, like, okay, all right. So, so there was a trip planned and she's doing it anyway. Okay. All right. And then she gets to the, like the big house in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, this is a very large, is this like an Airbnb or like a resort house? And then the party planners show up. I'm like, oh, okay. That's, that's what they meant. Yeah. It's like an event. Yeah. So he, he does even say like, Hey, I know you're on moon mode. Do not disturb, mm -hmm. which I, I actually was like, that was that's a really cool way to say it. That I was, was like, I like moon mode moon instead mode of great. do not disturb. Um, and then he even says like, Hey, like, I know, I know you're on moon mode and like, you don't want to be bothered. Like, feel free to ignore these things and text me when you're, when you're done. Basically like text me when you're on your way back. Mm -hmm. He's like, but you know, I figured I'd leave you these messages as like a little bit of encouragement. You know, he even says like, don't, you don't have to message me back. I think it's really cute. As much as that base scene made him play off as like 
a lovable doofus. Uh, he he is a really good guy, right? Like he's he's not really a doofus. He's just being he's just being loving and, yeah. and caring to her and like kind of like making her feel good, which is really funny because uh, later in the film she goes, you know, or, or what was his name, Ben? Uh, Eric. Eric is it Eric in that fucking bass? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really fun. Yeah, I feel yeah. like like she is very much like we we get the impression that she is kind of like. She, she had been engaged in a business relationship with her friend Jennifer. Uh, we learn that it is Jennifer who has died, uh, which is why she's going to this retreat by herself. Uh, but we get, we get the impression, at least, that uh, Vanessa is the business part of this relationship, that she is maybe a little bit more of a serious person. And uh, while a very funny actor, I think Jillian Bell does frequently get cast in that little bit more, like, straight-laced uh, a sort of like all business, no nonsense sort of role. Um, I think of her part in uh, my favorite uh, problematic holiday movie, uh, The Night Before, uh, yeah. <laughs> where she is the like she is the rock of the relationship until she doesn't have to be, and then she's like, "Oh my god, thank you, I'm falling apart." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know uh, it, it, what it is 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 you know, and obviously this this happens all the time with actors is you get typecast based on your look, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like. You're not going to see, you know, The Rock be like an idiot banker or something like that, right? Like you're you're not going to see him cast like that because he doesn't look that part. And well, now you know? I want to see that. <laughs> well, now, yeah, I mean, now you want to see it, but like, you know, that's the thing. Actors get typecast based on the way they look. Mm -hmm. You know, like Harrison Ford plays characters that look like Harrison Ford. You know, that's just how that works. She has that like mom stand up at the PTA sort of look about her, which is funny because she's younger than both of us. Yes. Uh, it's just, it's just, that's just the way she looks. Um, so unfortunately, you know, and that's the part she's played. So she's, she's gotten a little typecast. Um, but yeah, Jillian Bell has been in a bunch of movies, you know, the, the night before, um, but is not the one we covered the no. other one. <laughs> uh, but she was also in 22 jump street. She was in uh, rough night. She was in inherent vice and most recently was in history of the world part two, which, uh, more and more I'm realizing that literally everyone is in that show. Uh, because every yeah. single person that I've looked up for any reason over the course of the last few weeks has had a credit in that, in that show. Yeah, and and oddly enough, she was also in another uh, in a short called Eureka, um, which uh, is uh, uh, stars Ka Karen Gillan, or uh, I would assume stars Karen Gillan, uh, where an otherworldly being visits her. And gives her and basically says, like, they're responsible for all of the great ideas uh, that have happened in, in mm -hmm. on Earth. Uh, really interesting. It's actually a short that came out in the same year as this movie. Um, interesting. But yeah, so Jillian Bell. And then, of course, our uh, next actress, uh, the, you know, the lovely Natalie Morales. And as we were talking about before we hit record, I got to work with Natalie Morales on the movie Plan B. Yeah. And uh, there was a few moments where I got to babysit her dog, Taco. Oh. Uh, he would come and, and chill in my office for a little bit while uh, she was off doing meetings and stuff like that. Can we just talk uh, about whenever she didn't have an assistant. what a great name Taco is for a dog? What is a great name is a really good name. It's a fantastic. If you have a dog named Taco, you fucking get it. You know yeah, what you is do. up. You know what's up. <laughs> and then, uh, of course, later we have a, uh, a an appearance by uh, Harvey Guilin. Probably Guillen. Guillen, uh, who plays the DJ, but you uh, folks will probably uh, recognize him from what we do in the shadows. As Guillermo. Uh, As Guillermo. One of... 
I mean, in a cast that phenomenal, it's hard to say, like, one of the best characters. But, like, let's be real. Guillermo's fantastic. <laughs> Guillermo's such a really cool character. Like, he starts off as such a weenie, but then he ends up being, like, one of the strongest, most put-together characters in, in the whole show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's great. I, I really enjoy it. Um, so this movie was directed by uh, Brandon Dermer, who was also is also credited for the story. Um, now Brandon has a few things under his uh, under his uh, repertoire. Um, he did uh, a movie called uh, Flatbush Misdemeanors. Um, he did a couple of things with Diplo, uh, and then a lot of things with Diplo. Um, some things with uh, Panic at the Disco. Looks like a lot of music videos and stuff like that. Um, but that's, so that's where his experience lies. And then this, uh, film was written by Alicia, uh, Ketri. She is the screen, the credited screenplay. Um, and she has been, uh, both an actor and a writer. Um, she writes for, uh, American Dad and Fuller House. Oh, well, yeah. That's interesting. As well as she wrote this movie. Those are very different shows. Those Just are, a little bit. Those are extremely yeah. different. Uh, yeah, this, this appears to be the feature debut as a director for Brandon Dermer. And that's, uh, that's pretty cool. That's a, yeah. a pretty decent first, uh, like feature film. Uh, yeah. Great little with. indie film. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So as we mentioned, the film kicks off with, uh, Vanessa, you know, driving to this location. She's driving in her Tesla, which, uh, is important to note mm-hmm. that she drives in, in an electric vehicle, mm-hmm. not necessarily specifically a Tesla, but she drives an electric video, uh, vehicle. She does eventually get to this place. It's beautiful. It's like a huge mansion. Like it's, it's gorgeous. Very, very nice place. Um, and she, you know, is, is kind of moping around so to speak you know you can tell that she's extremely hurt um and we do uh, learn that her business partner jennifer uh has recently died and they were about to launch hence my reference in the beginning an organic soda company they just signed a deal for distribution very huge thing and just before they were about to sign the paperwork for it uh, Jennifer dies. Um, and so now, uh, Vanessa is left to figure out what to do and basically take over the company. She has, uh, we see in her inbox, she has a, uh, an electronic form waiting for her. That is, uh, for her to sign over, uh, the, uh, hundred percent of the company to her, basically taking over Jennifer's shares of the company Mm -hmm. and putting it all in her name. So this is something that she's delaying doing. Obviously, she's still very hurt from her best friend's, uh, you know, death, and she she doesn't want to take that step yet because it'll feel final, right? Like, you know, she does that, and it means Jen is really dead, and it feels like at the moment, and you kind of get that feeling once uh, the film progresses, is that uh, she's not ready to let go yet, yeah. you know? Um, and I think this is, this is really neat because... Um, it's a fairly common theme for especially a lot of the indie films that we do, but even some of the the big ones. I mean, I can easily off the top of my head reference uh, Wakanda Forever, where we talk about like a lot of films really do deal with the topic of grief and loss and like how do we move on. And it's always really interesting to see how a particular filmmaker, like team, how film team, uh, director, writer, et cetera, like chooses to portray that whether they choose to use comedy whether they choose to use like just 
silence and raw emotion or like what uh and that that is really at the core what this film is and it's billed as a comedy and it is funny but it is about someone who is learning to deal with the loss of her best friend and business partner and not knowing how to move on from that uh and so we get this really like intimate glimpse into vanessa's grieving process um as happens both with films made in this time period and in, in like COVID precautions, as well as in just this in genre in general, these kind of small, like smaller budget uh, indie films. It is a very, very small cast. There's like, well, there are what, seven people total who are nine people total who are credited, two of whom literally just appear in the background uh, in one scene, one of whom who was only in like a like video call and one of whom whose voice we hear over the phone. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, you know, obviously this film was probably uh, filmed over the course of 2021, which we're still heavy into um, uh, COVID protocols. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Natalie was uh, Natalie's film uh, plan B, which is available on Hulu as well um, was, was, you know, if not the first, one of the first films to basically start back up mm-hmm. uh, after the COVID shutdown. Um, Cause that we, we were set to film that movie um, the Monday uh, Monday and on Friday before they announced New York was shutting down. Yeah. So, so we were like packed and ready to start filming and then they shut it down and we postponed the film and it didn't come back for about six months. Um, crazy times. Yeah. Yeah. But they did it. They, they made the thing happen. So good for them. But, and you were telling me, uh, one time that that was basically the film that created the template for like Hollywood COVID protocols, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, we, you know, we were one of the first to have a full COVID, uh, uh, protocol team, um, figuring out the rules, the zones and everything. And this is obviously was in partnership with Hulu, um, to basically figure out, so, okay, we still got to make movies, right? We can't shut down, you know, for, for a year, like the, the film industry itself can't shut down for a year. So how do we do this with a lot of people when there is a deadly pandemic happening? And that's where, you know, we created, you know, the mask system, testing two to three times a week. It was daily uh, for a while, mm-hmm. um, you know, zoning out. So like camera and grip and, and electric, they don't all intermix. They all uh, exist in different pods in different times. So you're not mixing up, you know, everything. Like it was very, very particular. You know, obviously a lot of protocols have, have been lifted. We're still masking. We're still testing. Um, but now, like the zone thing isn't as strict as it used to be, mm-hmm. um, and testing isn't uh, doesn't happen as much as it used to. But no one knew what to do, and you know Hulu, uh, you know stepped in and really you know kind of kind of made the rules up, and it worked, and everybody kind of started adopting it. Yeah, that's fantastic, and yeah, I mean you you can see the results of that in a lot of films, but like. Uh, it's handled in a way that like, I I don't think it diminishes the impact of the film. And I think in a, in a a project like this, that like super small cast and very few people on screen together and mostly separated, like it works really well to the point where like, if you like, if you didn't know when the film was, was made, that wouldn't be the first thing on your mind. Yeah. It's one of those things that like we, you know, very recently we've been, um, we've been making a point of this. You know, we talked about uh, the movie Seven Days that we just uh, covered uh, like two months ago. Mm-hmm. That's another really great example where that movie actually specifically calls out COVID. It's about uh, everything that happened during COVID. But when you look back at that, you're like, yeah, there's really only two people in that movie. Mm-hmm. 
and everyone else was virtual. Like there literally was no other people that whole movie, but it really worked. Yeah. You know, it was, it was great. And it's, you know, that's an example of those sort of films that, um, ride the Eagle is another great example where it's, it's a really intimate cast. Yeah. They don't all interact, you know, uh, his, his, you know, love interest, uh, ends up being just phone calls. We never actually see them physically together. Yeah. Uh, Susan Sarandon's part is literally just VHS recordings. And uh, like, that's super clever. Cause again, you can go back and watch that and it doesn't feel like something was missing. It feels like that was all intentional and just part of the story. Uh, and I just, I, I do really love the way uh, a lot of filmmakers uh, have, have adapted to making films with, with proper health restrictions in mind that don't feel like their hands were tied, but also don't feel like, ah, nothing's wrong. Everything's fine. We're just like, everything's normal. Put a thousand people in a room and like, we're cool. Like, cause that like, even like, that makes me the most uncomfortable when I see scenes with just like huge crowds. And it's like that, like, no, this is, this was a bad idea. Why did you do this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really odd how that, that, you know, mentality, like I never considered that before. And then after the pandemic now it's like, mm -hmm. And when I see groups of people, I'm like, Ugh. yeah, that's <laughs> um, crazy, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, uh, uh Vanessa Vanilla, <laughs> Vanilla, Vanessa, we'll, we'll reference that later. Uh, Vanessa finally makes it to, to the place, you know, she's hanging out around, we get the full story. Uh, Jennifer got sick. Um, she died kind of suddenly, you know, nobody knew she was sick. So it kind of happened really fast. She had a hole in her heart and had a stroke died this party was supposed to be them celebrating their distribution deal because it's a really big deal. Like this is, you know, they're, they're going to make a lot of money. Their product's going to be everywhere, like in regular stores and stuff. So like, this was a huge deal for them and they wanted to go celebrate and they've been friends since school, like yeah. since like elementary Childhood, school. Yeah. Yeah. So like they've known each other a really long time. Um, and so, you know, we see uh, Vanessa kind of moping around the house and being sad as she should be. It's fine. She's grieving. Mm -hmm. And then she she kind of passes out. Uh, well, there is one point she stops at a, a gas station and uh, while or, well, like at a gas station, she doesn't need to get gas, but she stops at like a convenience store gas station yeah. and she gets some snacks. And while she's there, there's a guy, you know, sitting on a car smoking a cigarette and she walks up to him. She's like, hey, can I can I have a cigarette? Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, sure. And so he gives her one. And then she's like, can I have two more? He's like, yeah, sure. And then she's like, do you have matches? Or he's like, <laughs> what do <are> you? <laughs> Super awkward. He's like, do you want some Coke too? <laughs> yeah. And so he does end up giving her a lighter and three cigarettes. She does smoke one of them just outside of her car and then pockets the rest of them for later. I also so, think it's funny that they made a point to have her do that thing where like she takes one puff and starts coughing. Is a, like She clearly doesn't smoke regularly. And I'm like, I always wonder, what is the point of having the character who doesn't smoke bum a cigarette and try to smoke one only to start coughing and like have that like, oh, this is why I don't do this sort of moment? Because like... Uh, Jillian Bell, whether it's intentional or not, definitely gets that face for a second. Like, why did I do this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I never understood that either. Uh, I always hate those scenes. It's like, well, why are you doing it then? <laughs> yeah. Um, learn to say no, man. Stand up for yourself. Seriously. Uh, so, uh, so she finally gets back to, you know, she gets to the place, she's moping around and she eventually passes out outside, um, next to the fire. She's got her, her jacket on her, her phone on her, uh, on her stomach and, uh, she completely passes out. And when she wakes up, Jennifer is there. 
And of course she freaks out, um, you know, and she's like, what is going on? Uh, oh, she actually walks into the kitchen and Jennifer's in the kitchen. That's how, uh, yeah. she finds it. She walks in the kitchen and Jennifer's standing in the kitchen. Uh, I believe drinking oil, right? Is that what she's doing in this scene? I mean, she's doing so much weird shit. Like the, the first introduction, she's, she's offering her like a plate of pancakes, um, yeah. Throughout the film, she's just chugging a bottle of olive oil, uh, which is hilarious and gross. Um, should should take a, a quick pause uh, because it, it will be important and mention that like the the previous day after Vanessa had gotten there, this party planning like caterer service shows up and like we brought the party. Where do you set up? And Vanessa's like, I I'm sorry, I thought I canceled this. Can you please just not? And there's this whole back and forth with the party planner is like. Well, you didn't cancel within the 24-hour period, so legally I have to do the party. And she's like, legally? You you <laughs> you have to throw it? You can't just not do the party? You can't just do nothing? And she's like, nope. Like, I was watching this scene just thinking of how, like, it, it is played for comedy and it is funny, but at the same time, in my head, I am screaming, get the fuck out of here. Nobody wants the fucking party. Just leave. I will still pay. Just leave. Because that that's right. what my reaction would have been. I would have been yeah. screaming at this person whose fault it was not, admittedly, right. but I would still have been screaming, <laughs> leave now or I will make you. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, there, there is that very funny moment where the, the person's like, well, you know, the easiest thing I can do is, is, uh, you know, throw the party. And she's like, really? The easiest thing you could do? The easiest thing you could do is nothing yes. and just leave and <laughs> they'd be fine. You know, so like, which is crazy. You know, obviously she's already paid and she's fine with paying. So it wasn't like she's stuck with the money or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, very interesting scene. So we see that a whole bunch of food does end up getting delivered. Yep. Um, they have to deliver the food, but, you know, whatever she can, uh, you know, no party, though. They won't do anything else, no catering or anything like that. So uh, so now, you know, flash forward, we're back to uh, Jennifer. So Jennifer has showed up, and, of course, uh, Vanessa is freaking out, mm -hmm. right? Because her dead friend is standing directly in front of her, offering her pancakes. And she's like, What? And then uh, Jennifer says, hi, this must be really shocking for you when she speaks in a very, like, uh, she speaks like uh, Data from uh, Star Trek. It's, it's very, like, rah, rah. It's very stilted, almost robotic. Uh, and it, it makes sense once she reveals who she is and she explains that, like, I am an extraterrestrial. I have to only taken on the form of your friend. Uh, and so like, okay, so we're doing the alien doesn't understand human culture trope. I'm on board now. And like, once you have that information, Natalie Morales' performance in this film is fantastic because it's so awkward and mechanical, but at the same time, like childlike and full of wonder. And it's like, uh, do you, do you do you not want pancakes? I thought they would make you smile. <laughs> <laughs> I just her character is incredibly charming. Yeah. You know, even though like at first I was like, why is she talking like that? And then she's like, I'm an extraterrestrial. I was like, ah, I got it. You know, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really, it was really wild. So yeah, so Jennifer's character is an alien that has inhabited the body of Jennifer with all of her memories and has come to spend 48 hours with Vanessa because Vanessa has been chosen 
by alien overlords to to basically be studied uh, for, you know, just as you would st study any sort of thing, like, mm -hmm. you know, how fast can you, uh, you know, how can you hold your water, uh, hold your breath underwater, how fast can you run, those sort of things, all the basic sort of physical and mental tests uh, that she needs to collect data on. She has a little device with her that she's recording all the data on. Yeah. And uh, so, so this is the premise, of course, as is logical, um, I would have to say, like, this is another one of those things where I feel like the character does actually do the logical thing. Vanessa says, great, I'm hallucinating, right? <laughs> She's like, I'm, I'm obviously hallucinating. I'm in a grief uh, state where I'm hallucinating, you know, the ghost of my best friend because I'm having trouble moving on. I think that's a very reasonable thing to think I, uh, in her state. I don't, like, I guess I don't really understand the extent to which humans are capable of having vivid audio, visual, tactile hallucinations to this degree, because that is not what I would think. Like, I would think, like, yes, this situation is crazy, but I would not jump to, oh, I am crazy, or oh, I am hallucinating, or I am seeing things. I would want to know what this actually is. And like, so to me, when, when I see that, I just like, it's completely unrealistic and like, okay, we're doing this time waste thing where she's not going to believe it. It's, I mean, to me, it's no different than the trope of the friends who never believe you. Like, oh, you're, you're just imagining it. It's not that bad, but you're just, you're, you're gaslighting yourself. And just like, I can't think of a single scenario where something happened to me and I thought, no, I hallucinated that. That's not real. <laughs> That's fair. That That is completely fair. You know, I mean, it is one of those things where it's like, that's one of those situations you don't know what you would do unless you're in the situation, right? True. Because like, as much as I'd want to think, you know, if I saw a fucking T-Rex, you know, walking down the street, I would be like, you know, in my head, I'd be like, oh my God, it's a dinosaur. <clears throat> it's come back to life. How do we survive or something like that? But in my head, I'd also be like, well, this is fake. Like how, you know, like what, well, how, else, how would I, right. Like how would I react? You know, is one of the things, would I just be dumbfounded and just stand there until the dinosaur comes up and eat me? Like, I, I don't know what I would do. You know, like I know what I thought I would think I would do. I think the reason that I don't believe scenarios like this, where people just try to rationalize everything away is I don't think that I think of things as being rational to begin with. So, like, I don't need a rational explanation for what's in front of me because it wasn't rational to begin with. Right. Also, also a fair assessment. Yeah, absolutely. I think that might be why. And so, like, it might be completely reasonable that a large subsect of people think this way, and that's why, like, movies are written with that in mind. But, like, who knows? Uh, who knows? Who knows? When it happens, it'll happen. Um, yeah, so, you know, we do get a few, you know, the great thing about this, though, is that Vanessa plays along almost instantly, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, Jennifer's like, hey, I'm going to be experimenting on you. This is the first conversation talking about it. 48 hours. These are the type of things we're going to do. And she's like, well, can I say no? And she's like, yeah, it's your choice to, to play along. And she's like, oh, like, it's my choice whether to do this or not. And she's like, right, like, you are in control of this. You can decide not to do it, and I'll just go away. And she's like, 
you know, I think I'll play along. And I liked that yeah. because not so much for the logical, rational uh, thing, but sort of the, I, I, we've talked about it so many times and we just brought it up, but the idea of where like, we spend so much time of somebody doubting a thing before they actually go along with it and forwarding the plot. Mm -hmm. So they doubt it so much that you're like, just fucking just say yes. So yeah. we can move along with this movie. Seriously. You know, like it's, it's, you know, it's whether it's the rational thing or not, it drives me crazy. Just move along the plot, you know, like move it along, write more, write more of the cool things she's doing after she says yes and less of the, I don't want to do it, you know, like let's just get on with it. This is where we borrow that sound bite from the super pod guys. Move it along, guys. <laughs> move it along. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, Vanessa finally agrees to uh, doing this, this test and they begin, right? And this is where we see this sort of relationship grow. And what's interesting is because Vanessa already knows this person, right? Mm -hmm. She, she sees uh, Jennifer. She's, you know, known her all her life. She remembers the feelings she had with her and all those sort of things. But on the flip side of this, Jennifer Alien does have all of Jennifer's memories, and that is tested a few times. Yeah. In fact, there's a very funny scene where she talks about going to see Papa Roach mm -hmm. uh, with Jennifer, and she's like, oh, my God, like, we went and saw Papa Roach, and, you know, it, it was great. Like, we saved up forever to do it, and it was, like, you know, one of our, our best, like, first concerts. And Jennifer was like, um, yeah, but Jennifer already saw that uh, saw Papa Roach a year earlier with her sister. And she's like, What? She's like, yeah, she lied to you because she didn't want you to to be hurt. She wanted you to, you know, feel like this was a special moment between you, the two of you because it was important. Mm -hmm. And she was like, no. And this is this is the first moment where she starts to question whether Jennifer is uh, does have her memories or if, if this is real or not. Yeah. Um, and so there is a moment where she actually calls Jennifer's sister and, you know, Jennifer, Jennifer's sister is like, are you OK? And she's like, hey, weird question. Did you guys go and see uh, Papa Roach, uh, you know, a year before Jennifer and I did? And the sister goes, what? And she was like, oh, yeah, okay, never mind. You know, being like, yeah, of course it was. It wasn't real. I'm just imagining this. Mm -hmm. And then the sister says, did she tell you? Yeah, she swore she like, me to secrecy. She's like, what? And yeah, we learned that that Jennifer Alien was right, that they did actually go see uh, Papa Roach beforehand. So this is her moment where she's like, oh shit, like this is real. This mm -hmm. is really happening because there's no way, you know, I would know that information to build that into my psyche. Like I would never know that. So like, this is not a hallucination. Mm -hmm. This is in fact something that knows Jennifer's uh, mind, whether it is Jennifer or an alien, it's all true. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, they, they continue with this study and it's, you know, partly like just uh, the Jennifer alien observing Vanessa's reactions to things, partly testing like physical stamina, holding breath underwater, doing different exercises, stuff like that. Um, but we also get little tidbits about the aliens themselves. As we mentioned, she's constantly chugging olive oil, uh, which is explained by a, a difference in the, the suns on their planet and like our sun, like basically like essentially causes their skin to boil unless they keep it like constantly lubricated, which they've learned that oil does, uh, which makes it even funnier when later on down the road, uh, she's chugging motor oil instead of olive oil. So apparently just any oil, uh, we learned that she can eat, but doesn't need to. They just do like vitamin injections. 
they don't experience emotions the way that we do. They don't cry, things like that. So uh, we get all of this, like the beauty of innocence uh, as the, the alien is experiencing all of these things for the first time with Vanessa. And like, you think about that, like think about being from a species that has never experienced the, like the, the depth and breadth of human emotion. And your first assignment is to observe someone who is in, just the like purest, rawest stages of grieving. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what makes this so interesting on the on the flip side of the idea that obviously, you know, this film is meant to talk about the grieving process and the sort of like letting go, right? The the theme of it is is teaching Vanessa to to know that like, hey, this happened. Jennifer's not coming back and you need to let her go. Mm -hmm. It's okay. It's okay. You're gonna you're gonna persevere. And she kind of gets that realization from, uh, so we mentioned the guy that she bums a smoke from, and we mentioned that it's important that Vanessa drives an electric car. Well, it's established fairly early on in this relationship with Jennifer that her, the alien species, uh, their planet has a lot of electrical storms, and so their bodies have adapted to, uh, to kind of channel electricity, and that causes them to drain the energy from uh, electronic devices that have batteries uh, within a certain proximity, which is kind of loosey-goosey with science, but we'll accept it. It's fine. So, like, we get a moment where uh, Vanessa's like, my phone was just charged. Why is it dead now? We get that explanation. And then for some reason, she puts the, the alien in her Tesla and goes for a drive thinking, like, nothing is wrong. And the alien doesn't say anything because she thinks that the cars run on gasoline, uh, which completely ignores the fact that even gasoline-powered engines have a battery. The battery is recharged by the alternator, which is powered by the gasoline, so maybe it doesn't matter. We don't know. Again, a little wibbly-wobbly. But this car is all electric, and so it gets fully drained. It gets stranded. There's a whole argument that ensues about that. And Guy from Gas Station comes rolling up in his fucking El Camino uh, and offers help. And, of course, Vanessa is very much like, no, I don't want help. I don't know this guy. And you know, Jennifer is getting, like egging her on, like, no, we can... Like, what is the matter? Like, w this person is here to help us. And Vanessa, like, no, he's going to murder us. And he's like, I don't think that's really my jam. Um, but it, like, he does, they do eventually agree to let him give her a ride or give them a ride back. Uh, and as he's pulling away, he looks Vanessa in the eye and says, She's not coming back. And that really like throws Vanessa at first, like, makes her angry. But like, that I think is a moment that she needed in order to like really come to terms with, with her healing process. And she even brings that back up in the end of the movie, you know, towards the end of the movie where she says like, I know Jennifer's not coming back. Mm -hmm. Like she, she even acknowledges it uh, with that. And, and yeah, you know, and there's a lot of funny moments in that scene as well, you know, with her chugging the motor oil and like giving the thumbs up to, to Vanessa. Um, and I, I did like, cause it was, it was annoying me. This was another one of those that was annoying me where Vanessa was being very unreasonable yeah. being like being super, you know, like shut off. Like I'm not telling you my real name. Hence she uses the name. Uh, she says, goes to say Vanessa and then says vanilla. And he's like, okay, vanilla. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's where she says her name. She's like, no, he's going to murder me. I don't hitchhike. Like, I don't get rides. Like, she's just being completely unreasonable. And Jennifer Alien brings that up and even says, like, 
what's it like? And she's like, what? She's like, being unreasonable. <laughs> I've never felt this before. You know, like, it was just a very funny line. Yeah. She goes like, thank you. Thank you for saying it because you are being very unreasonable. Um, I also really liked it except for one like kind of throwaway line in, in that interaction on the side of the road that could theoretically have been directed at Vanessa. We know it was directed to Jennifer, but like, there's only one time that I can think of where we see another person directly address Jennifer. And that's when that guy says, that's a rad jacket. Cause she's wearing like a leopard yeah. print jacket. Um, and so like I was spending the entire movie looking for clues. Like are other people addressing or acknowledging that this other person's in the room? Are, are we playing this as like, this actually maybe was a hallucination. Um, there's only that one time that I could tell, which is such a throwaway moment and could theoretically have been addressed to Vanessa and not Jennifer that uh, I can't say for sure. Yeah, because when the DJ shows up later, he never specifically addresses uh, um, Jennifer no. at all. Nope. I mean, he's there, he's talking to you know Vanessa and Jennifer standing next to him, so you, it's hard to tell where his eyes are. You know, he doesn't he doesn't respond to Jennifer at all. Nope. But Jennifer doesn't really say much. Um, you know, he throws the party with them. He, you know, gets down and they do Molly together. Yeah. You know, so like maybe, maybe. Um, I that was one of those things that I thought too. I was like, oh, she's hallucinating that it's an alien, like this is all in her head. Yeah. You know, she's hallucinating that it's an alien to like cope. Like this is how she's coping with it. Well, um, and but it, that moment I was like, oh, maybe. It, and you'll notice that it's it's in the grand scheme of things, it is very shortly after uh, the guy on the side of the road makes that comment, she's not coming back, that Vanessa comes to terms with that idea, and then Jennifer, her time is up, she has to go. And so, like, it's really easy to make that jump to, like, Vanessa needed to to come to that conclusion herself in order to finish processing. And this this whole hallucination was part of her healing. And when she reached that point, the alien had to return to its home planet. Yeah, right? Uh, like, so, um, suddenly I need to go. And yeah. I, I kind of love that, like, you, you can read either interpretation into this film and be right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, there's definitely a case for both uh, completely. And and so we learned, you know, Jennifer, or that Jennifer Alien is only with her for 48 hours. You know, day one, they have this really, you know, they do a lot of stuff. They have a great party. You know, they end up dancing to the DJ, doing Molly. They end up singing along to Papa Roach. You know, she even says to Jennifer, like, it looks like you were, you were genuinely smiling. And she's like, yeah, I'm getting used to my face bones. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and like, so there's that moment of like, you see them getting close. And she even says, like, you know, uh, you know, I'm getting close to you as an alien and not just Jennifer. Like, I'm starting to see you as as an individual and not the the flicker of a memory of my best friend. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty interesting. So in in that, you know, at the top of the second day, um, you know, where she even says, like, yep, I'm leaving at, um, you know, 1132 tonight um, or the top of the third day, I guess, whatever um, is, you know, she's like, OK. I am leaving uh, tonight at 11.32 p.m. There's no stopping it. So, like, you know, I finished my report early so we could just spend the day together. Let's just spend the day together. It's very you sweet. Because it was very sweet. I loved it a lot. And they end up getting into a fight. 
And, you know, she's like, well, fine, then I'll just call my uh, people and have them come pick me up now. My supervisors will be, this is a great line. She's like, my supervisors will be very glad that I finished it early. And she's like, what? Are they going to give you like an extra vitamin injection? She goes, maybe. (laughs) I love that delivery of that line. Yeah. Uh, Very funny. Yeah. Um, And so the aliens are on their way. And as they're on their way, you know, we get a moment where Vanessa's like, wait, wait, I want to give you something to remember me by, you know, and she, she had already given uh, back Jennifer's ring because she was supposed to give it uh, back to her before she was buried, Mm -hmm. but never did. You know, it's the thing we see in the very first scene of the movie. It's around her neck uh, on a, on a, on a a necklace and she's like clutching it and crying and stuff like that. So we know that it's related to this ring. Um, And so we know there's emotional behind it. And, you know, this is it, you know, the, the moment has happened and she is about to leave, you know, she runs back in to be like, oh, I want to give you something. And she comes back out and she is gone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, thus sort of ends our movie as Vanessa is seen now happy driving home. So it's a complete, um, you know, complete flip from the beginning of the movie. It starts the exact same way, except now she is happy because she has come to terms with everything. She yeah. even signs the paperwork to say, I'll take 100% ownership of the company. Yeah. Yes. Very, very sweet little film. Yeah. I, I, you know, I really, really like this film because, you know, if anything, it it was charming, but also like it had a really great message underlying in it. And Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that. Um, So all of that being said, should you watch this movie? Yes. I, I literally can't think of any reason why you shouldn't. I, there's not even like a, well, if you're not into blood, no, literally, I feel like this is such a great movie to watch and that like everybody should watch it. It's it, like, it's a very, very heavy subject matter, but it's handled so gently and so, uh, so well, like it, it feels comforting. It feels like someone who understands that the grieving process isn't monolithic isn't the same for everyone and like there is room for humor in that and the sadness and the like the quiet moments and it's just it's a great way uh, like a great great story of paying tribute to a lost friend uh yeah yeah it's it's a, a very sweet little indie film and yeah i think definitely watch it so I'm totally fine streaming on Hulu in America as of time of recording this episode. So if you are the type of person that watches movies after we review them, there it is. Line it up and put it in your queue. It is a, it is a good one to watch and, uh, you know, we highly recommend it. Yeah. Um, so we got a lot of other great indie films coming up uh, this, uh, this month, all of which are on Hulu this month. So if, you know, if you're listening in, Time to renew your uh, your prescription, your subscription, <laughs> your prescription, your to Hulu. prescription to, <laughs> to Hulu. Um, it's time to renew it. And uh, you know, if you just listened to our past uh, our episode just the other day, the Thursday bonus episode, I talked about a brand new show that's on Hulu uh, now, and uh, that is one that you know that's another one that you should definitely check out. Um, so you know, it's time renew your Hulu prescription. Do it, do it. Absolutely. Uh, So, hey, thanks a lot for joining us, everyone. We super appreciate it, and we will see you next time. Oh, yeah.